It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Blast off to another wonderful show with Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Karen. Good evening. You know what we just learned off the air right before we came on the air? That on Skype, we can squish our own heads. I know. It's cool. Yeah, if you put your hand up closer to the thing, you can Uh look like you're squishing your own head. It's just oh, terrible. You guys cookie can't cookie see this because this is so awesome, man. I mean, this is yeah. this is this is what this we do. Is, this is what life <laughs> is all about, folks. That's right. Squishing your own head on Skype. That's right. That's what we do here at Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We yes. squish heads on Skype. Did you have so, a happy Halloween? I had a wonderful Halloween. I had some candy, and uh, it was nice. How about yours, cowgirl? It was good, yeah, I know. We uh, had a lot of kids come through the museum party. I was pretty exhausted, and I have not stopped drinking since, so there you go. Okay, so share how many bags of candy you guys handed out. Share. So we made, so we made about 500, um, 500 <laughs> treat bags, insane. and we had 40 dozen cookies. 40 and, um, dozen. They were all gone after an hour and a half, and we still had another hour and a half to go. We don't know. So- so, like, when you hand out the bags of candy and all the cookies, did the kids become wired and become, like, this insane posse of psychic? Oh, my God. So, kids? I was working, I was working um, the cornhole game. We didn't call it cornhole. We called it a beanbag <laughs> toss. Okay, good. But, but we had little special beanbags that somebody had made for the museum, for this specifically for this game, and, like, little ghosty fabrics and stuff. Uh-huh. And, um, oh, my gosh. Those bean bags by the end of the night were so disgusting because the kids with their cookie hands and their candy. Ew, oh, that's gross. gross. Yeah, I that's know, gross. but they were really adorable and they were really sweet. And you know what's so funny is because what? you have the whole wide range of kids, and the kids that come through are anywhere from toddlers up uh-huh. to probably like ten or eleven. Really? And yeah, and you and the games are all geared towards the younger kids, like eight and under. But you yeah, still right. have the older ones. But you you can tell, like you you see all of the all of the little clicks that you remember from school coming through. Yeah, yeah, yeah like exactly. The mean girls. You can tell exactly who the mean girls are. Oh my god! <laughs> I love the eye uh, the eye flip. You I know people can't nice. see it. Like I oh. think it's like television or something. We need to get like a TV show so they can actually see because us. Because we are a. Adorable. We are. And tonight we can't beep, 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 beep. Oh, that's right. I can't swear tonight because we have younger listener this that's evening. Right. So that's I can't, right. I can't, I take all the, okay. I, I won't do it. I won't do it. So this evening, our guest, and you, and you did tell me this is correct. It's Neil McNeil. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. He's, he's somebody that's part of the Washington and Oregon paranormal community that just oh. makes community so great out here. Well, yeah, so. he's a para- parapsychologist and a Reiki practitioner, correct? Mm-hmm. Also, it looks yeah. like he's like he's he's like and a reflexologist has, too. Mm-hmm. And a what? Reflexologist. Oh, well, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he, taught like, how to, he taught me how to work on my thyroid reflex point. Really? Yeah. Well, I'll have to talk to him about that. And he has like educational DVDs. He teaches. He does all. Mm-hmm. He does all sorts of mm-hmm. cool stuff. So and he's really funny. 
And he's really funny and he's really interesting. He's been on the show a few times before, just not with you. And so I'm excited for you to get to talk to him because you're really going to like him. People really enjoy Neil. I just saw him here um, a couple weeks ago down in in Oregon at uh, the St. Helens Hotels or the St. Helens, no, what was it? The Klondike Restaurant in St. Helens. He scared me. He kind of yelled and I jumped and everything. Okay. Well, that's good. So, um, well, what do you say we just move right on to, you know, that time? Is that okay? Are we good? Good with it. All right. We're good with it. Cheryl? When the world gets weird and things don't make any sense, it's news of the strange and the odd. Okay, speaking about Oregon, the first news story up is pretty interesting because it has to do with Oregon. Stop poking me in the eye. Stop poking and smooshing my head. (sighs) Okay, plague confirmed an Oregon teen. That is correct. All right. The plague, like the bubonic plague? Uh, Exactly the plague that I'm going to talk about. A teenage girl in Crook County, Oregon, is in the ICU recovering from a case of you said it, bubonic pig. According to Oregon Health Authorities and the Crook County Public health Department. Is health it Cook officials- County or Crook, oh, Crook, Crook County? Crook. Like, you know, like you're a crook, you're a bad guy. Um, health That's officials- in Eastern Oregon. Go on. All right, it's okay. Uh, health officials believe she contracted the bacteria from an infected flea during a hunting trip early this month in Moreau County, Oregon. According to a press release, the young woman began feeling sick on October 21st and was hospitalized in Bend, Oregon on October 24th. Uh, plague is rare in Oregon with only eight human cases diagnosed since 1995 and no deaths, according to Oregon health authorities. Uh, the plague usually occurs in rural and semi-rural areas of the western United States, mostly common in New Mexico, Arizona, and Colorado. How they survived bubonic pig just barely. The bacteria that causes the plague is naturally occurring in the environment. Humans become infected by fleas who have fed off infected rodents such as rats, chipmunks, and squirrels. Chipmunks. Symptoms usually occur in two to six days after exposure and include an overall feeling of sickness, uh, sudden fever, abdominal pain, swollen lymph nodes, nausea, vomiting. It is successfully treated with antibiotics when caught early. There have been 15 other human cases of the plague in the United States this year, according to the Center of Disease Control. Four of those patients have died. The CDC is working with Oregon health officials as well to locate uh, with local health officials in Crook, is it Deschutes? I think they said that right, in Merrill counties to investigate the illness. So how's that for out your area in the neck of the woods, huh? I didn't think Blue Ponic Plague was around anymore. I don't, I thought that was like all like old school. What's the the deal? What do you think? Um, Well, I know when I was a kid and we were traveling through California or Nevada or wherever it was. We were, we were traveling anyway, and we were going through Lake Tahoe, and we didn't stop because they had the bubonic plague. Seriously? Yeah, but I mean, when I was a kid, we're talking 35 years ago or longer. Yeah, oh, it's, it's like only like 20 years ago, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. next story up. Here's one for you. This comes from the local.dk. Death by potatoes. That is correct. Death by potatoes. Do you just thought, you know, you mash them up with a little gravy on them or, you know, skillet, whatever. No, no. Or shoot them from a potato yeah. gun. You can also use them as a weapon and kill people. From a, a potato gun. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, you could. That would just knock you out and lodge you right off your 
Okay. So a 55-year-old man was sentenced to seven years in prison on Wednesday for ending his older brother's life by shoving potatoes down his throat. That is correct. A drunken fight between the two brothers in northern Jutland, Denmark, left the elderly brother dead and the younger one facing seven years behind bars. The 55-year-old younger brother was acquitted of manslaughter but found guilty of violence causing death during a fight that occurred in November of last year. In the incident, both men have been drinking when a fight broke out. Prosecutors said the younger man killed his 57-year-old brother by strangling him by handing but by strangling him by hand and shoving potatoes down his throat. The younger brother also reported punching the elderly repeatedly in the neck and head. The 55-year-old called after an ambulance to say that his brother was lying unconscious in their shared house and rescue personnel arrived to find the elderly dead with a potato lodged in his windpipe. The younger brother was arrested shortly after. On Wednesday, the district court was split on the defendant's actions. Three jury members and three judges felt that there was enough evidence to convict the man on manslaughter charges, while three other jury members thought the man had not intended to kill his brother. They pointed to the fact that he had attempted to fish the potatoes out of his older brother's throw it before calling for an ambulance. With the jury in disagreement, the man was convicted on lesser charge of violence causing death. The defendant contended in court that his brother had either got two potatoes stuck in his throat by accident. Oh, yeah, that's easy mm -hmm, to do. Yeah, Or had to attempt to kill himself as a result of the fight. Yes, and, and, and you know, trying to kill yourself accident. with potatoes mm -hmm. is, that's the first is thing very common. I think it's the number two method of suicide. Uh, you think so? Just mm -hmm. choke Kill death by the number, the number one is licking bubonic plague rats. Oh, yeah, or, or like a licking a, a chipmunk that would work too, chipmunks, right? Yeah, if, or bu anything with bubonic plague, really. I think that's the number one method of suicide. Well, you could just take a chipmunk and jam it down someone's throat like a potato, and that would also kill them. That would, or there too. you could make it more enjoyable for them and just feed them green potato chips. Those things will kill you too. Oh, I hate those things, they're gross, they're poison. So, that, 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 Actually, that was, I don't think they are. They're poison. I think this, isn't that like penicillin? Well, it's good for you. You should eat those. They're probably healthy. Pen, uh, no, penicillin would kill me. I'm allergic. Oh. Okay. Well, it doesn't kill me. I, I've taken penicillin. I can't take penicillin. So I, I don't know. It was like the weirdest story I ever heard. And then the the, the, the ending was the funny part when he's saying, oh, I think he just accidentally swallowed these big yeah, wads of potatoes or something. Yeah, accidentally, right. Okay. Last one. Man guilty of attempting to murder a corpse. I'm not really sure about this one. I'll explain this and you can tell me what you think. A man has been found, and this came from the metro.co.uk. Oliver Wheaton wrote this. All right, a man has been found guilty of attempting to murder a corpse. The story, which was accepted by the court in Melbourne, Australia, goes as follows. Daniel Darrington claimed he was having an argument with Rocky. I can't even say his last name. It's Matt Kasaski. Sassy. We'll just say Rocky, which escalated into a struggle. A gun accidentally went off with the bullet killing Rocky. Thinking that the first accidental shot had killed Rocky, Darrington then shot him again. Darrington's defense barrister, John Desmond, argued in court that as it cannot be proven beyond reasonable doubt that Rocky was not already dead, when he shot the second uh, shot, Darrington cannot be found guilty of murder. The issue is not is not did Darrington believe the man was alive. The issue is was factually he was factually dead already. So he went on to give some complicated legal talk. I like the way they say that, but it was accepted by the jury. If someone's already dead and you try to kill them, how can that be attempted murder? He asks. But the law in this state is because you have the criminal intent to kill, and if you, the accused, though thought the person was alive, even if he was in fact dead, the law states that that would be attempted murder. I have to agree with that. So just to quickly repeat, if Rocky dies as a consequence of the first shot, 
The subsequently deliberate shots into Rocky are not murder. Darrington reportedly told police he thought Rocky was still alive after the first shot and that he fired the second shot because the deceased was suffering. Really? Okay, like a deer on the side of the road? Seriously? Uh, the jury found Darrington not guilty of murder or manslaughter. However, they did find him guilty of attempted murder, even though the man he was attempting to murder was already thought to have been dead. He will be sentenced at a later date. Okay, tell me that is not the most unusual story you've ever heard. Because I was like, what? I, yeah. What? How can you? Well, how can you say? Well, you, oh yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, I shot him in the leg, so I felt he was suffering, so I just shot him in the head again, and killed him. It doesn't even make any sense. No, I mean you can't. He should be, he should be charged with murder. Thank you. That's what yeah. I thought. I, I yeah. was just like totally appalled that they're like, oh no, no murder, no manslaughter. We'll just get him for attempted murder. No. Well, I mean, I, if you go by that reasoning, then anytime anybody is suffering in any way, we should just shoot them. Yes. That's Stubbed your mean. toe. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say go again. Here you go, folks. We even throw in some sound effects for you. Well, that is the, the news of the strange and the odd that I have this week. I just, I was just, I was like, what? First of all, like the potato one really caught me. I was like, no, no, no. I read that wrong. Let me read that again. I'm like, get out of here. I mean, the only thing I always thought about potatoes is, you know, uh, you know, stick them in the tailpipe and then, you know, on somebody you don't like, and then when the car starts up, and it dies. I know that. Yeah. So I have I have a little news thing. What's that? Okay, sure. Go ahead. Uh, this has been kind of big news this week. Scientists may have found evidence of a parallel universe. Really? That? This is from no. IG, IGN News no. by Matt Porter. Okay, sure. Um, let's see here. Ragna Ramchari, a researcher at Planck's U.S. Data Center in California, might have found evidence of another universe. Chari published his findings in the Astrophysical Journal, where he noted a mysterious glow using Planck's map of the cosmic microwave background, which is the light left over from the early universe shortly after the Big Bang. According to a follow-up piece in New Scientist, Chari believes that one possible reason for the glow could be a parallel universe, which is leaking light into ours, because the light is far brighter in places than it should be. There could even be multiple other universes beyond our own. Our universe may simply be a region within an eternally inflating super region, wrote Chari. Uh-huh. Whoa. Of course, these findings are a long way from being confirmed. Earlier this year, scientists at CERN claimed that the LHC, the Large Hadron Collider, mm -hmm. could confirm the presence of parallel universes. What do you think of that? Uh, so, so they're saying that the yeah, my mind's like I'm just trying to grasp what you just said, but they're so they're saying that the the light anomalies that were really bright are just like open portals or something that got a tear in the fabric of uh, well you know what's so funny is like people are making big news out of this right yeah okay. we talk about like a ghost could be just some something slipping through a parallel universe and yeah. people look at us and roll their eyes and call us freaks yeah because seriously. we're not because we're not physicists because we're not quantum physicists oh yeah because you know we have to be that in order to talk about do something we like, not have hearts uh, do we yeah. not have brains do we not care do we not cry? are we not big huge nerds do we not bleed when we're cut? That's I mean, what, what the heck? Yeah, I know. Exactly. I, 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 I think that's a really interesting story, though. Seriously, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm. I was going like, to send it to you, and then I thought, no, I'm going for more airtime. Screw him. <laughs> wow. Oh wait, wait. What's that in my back? Oh, that's that giant knife that just got jammed in it. Ooh, there we go. We'll just pull that right up. 
So no, I, I, I like when you share with me. I like when you share things with me, Karen. I'm so glad. I just realized my microphone hasn't been plugged in the whole time. Do I sound different now? Well, uh, no, not really. No. Well, there you go. Now you sound different. Yes, my microphone hasn't been plugged in the whole time. Nobody oh, so- said, you sound so weird. No, you didn't sound weird. You sound okay still. Oh, but now you yeah. sound even better. Well, I could set it like on echoey. I mean, you know, these snowballs have to. Anyway, so yes, parallel universes. That's awesome. No, I didn't know you could set the snowballs on echoey. Do you really can do that? I didn't know. Mm, I think so. Do Maybe. That. Let me see. Try it. We're going to test out something, folks. So Does don't freak out. Does it sound different? Does it sound different? No, there's no echo, echo, echo. Does this sound different? Whoa. Yeah, that sounds a little more. Yeah. yeah okay. There we go. All right, there we go. So, um, yes, it's really cool. I think they should do is take some probes. <laughs> I said probes, and then they should put it through the the light Except holes. We have children listening. <laughs> I said probes through the light holes, and then they could test to see if that's actually a doorway to the other side. You know, just shove it through there. Just well, shove it right don't there. they do things like that on Star Trek? I think so. I'm pretty sure they do. I think we should call Captain Kirk. He could go and take out and check out the, and use the probes and through the wormholes. Through the wormholes. There you go. Isn't how they isn't that on Deep Space Nine? No, not Deep Space Nine. Voyager. Isn't that how they were planning on getting back? Was to no. find the wormhole. They went through a wormhole and wound up really, really far away, and then the wormhole collapsed, and then they had I, to try and come back. I, I don't know. I didn't watch Voyager. I'm just a. I'm a. I'm a oh I'm my a, god! I'm such a nerd. Only. I'm only an original Trekkie. I actually liked um, my favorite was uh, the Next Generation. Yeah, that was all right. Captain Picard was pretty cool. Um, yes, I love him. But Captain Kirk was still the like coolest. love him like I love Eddie Vedder. Captain Kirk could woo the women. He was, and he, you know, he always. Got, I don't know, Cheryl. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to weigh in here, Kirk or Picard. Okay, there, there. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. There is absolutely no contest here. Right, Captain Kirk. Yeah, that's right, Captain Kirk. Although I will say that I loved William Shatner in um, the the legal show uh, as Denny Crane. Was that Boston Legal? Yeah, Yeah, I think it was Denny Crane. By the way, I I thought. I'm sorry. I I also love Next Generation, and uh, but Kirk all the way. Sorry. I cannot believe that. Have you heard him, John Luke Picard, speak? I have. Yes. Have you seen his beautiful bald head? I, I love him too, but no, it's it's Captain Kirk. Yeah, he does have the cool voice because uh, he he uh, was in um, that game Skyrim. There's a guy mm-hmm. at the beginning that was his voice there. But see, Captain Kirk did Twilight Zone with the cool, creepy thing on the wing. He did this uh, really cheesy horror movie called Horror at Thirty Six Thousand Feet with Chuck Connor and a bunch of other uh, people from television. So I mean, come on. And oh. Kingdom of the Spiders. Come on. Captain Kirk. <laughs> what Spiders. is your what is your favorite Star Trek movie? Oh. I actually like uh, the most recent one, the JJ Abrams one. The, yeah, uh, the first uh, the first of the recent re- redos, reboots, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call the it. The first one, yeah. yeah. You're about the Oh, you're talking about the new ones. Okay. I was I'm say, talking about any of them. About the original? Oh, Wrath of Khan. Please, Wrath of Khan. That was an odd numbered one, right? Because it was the even numbered ones that sucked and the odd numbered ones that were really pretty good. <laughs> Isn't yeah, that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was Ethicon or Discovery? Uh, was it Discover Home or whatever the one where they went back to Earth the way you know uh, with the whales and stuff? Yeah. That was a very cool. Oh, one. the yeah. Save the Whales one. Yep, I like that one. So there you go. And uh, Ricardo Monteblon was something other than other than Mister Work, wasn't he? Con the blade, the blade. Yeah, Fantasy Island. Do you have a Do you have a favorite Star Trek villain? Do I have? A, yeah, Con. He's my Khan? favorite. Yeah, because you don't mess with that guy. I uh, love the Borg. 
<gasps> scary as heck. Yeah, because yeah, no, zombies is kind of zombie-like, isn't it, Cheryl? It is. Oh, it's it is. Yeah. They are frightening. Absolutely. Yeah, the Borg. I think the Borg was like the the best Star Trek villain. <laughs> the, I, I I remember one villain that kind of well, they weren't villains per se, but they sure caused a lot of havoc. Those darn tribbles, <laughs> tribbles all over the place. Talk yeah, about, the tribbles, trouble with tribbles. Yeah, you think multiple? You think bunnies were multiplying? Heck, no, man. Those tribbles were going to town. I also really liked. I and, and most people disagree with me on this, but I also really liked the character Q. Oh, no. Next who, generation. Who, dis- who disagrees with you on that? He's oh, awesome. I just thought, I mean, I thought he was a great character. He was. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Did you like Data? You like Data? Um, sure. I always like the ones where they kind of explore, like Spock. I like Spock, too, because I like the ones where they explore somebody who um, has a little bit of human, but they also have this other part of them. It just makes for an interesting character study. I, I, agree. I agree. Chad says that it was the odds that sucked. Okay. It was the what the stuff? It was the odd ones, Jim? Yes. Jim says it was the odd ones. I knew it was either the even or the odd movies that always sucked. I could just never remember which. So Wrath of Khan must have been the second movie then. Yes, it was. Yes. Oh, see, Jim knows all of this. I've seen yeah, them. Yeah, that's right, Jim. But but Jim Jim has memorized them all, so this is why I need him, really. <laughs> yeah, see, I liked Wrath of Khan. It was cool, you know. But yes, uh, to see Ricardo instead of uh, Fantasy Island, which, I, by the way, I liked Fantasy Island, the TV show, too. I love that show. That was really cool. Oh, the plane, the plane. I yeah. saw Fantasy Island too. Yeah. Yeah, because to me, I've, I'm pretty sure that to Why, me. Why was I, the show that led into Fantasy Island? Love. It was on Saturday. That's right. It was Saturday night on ABC. Yeah. Captain Stubing. And Isaac. I love that show. The bartender. Isaac. Oh, yeah. Isaac. And, and Doc, Doc, the horny doctor. <laughs> Did you to say all the sixth horny graders doctor? listening, I apologize for using the word horny. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Ask your dad. It's not a swear word, though. So. No, ask oh, yeah, your so dad. He, he was. He was always Mac, Mac daddying all the girls on the ship. Yo. And then you had. Mac on the girls. And then what was that? What was her name? Laura. I don't know what her name was on the ship. You know, the, the ship. Laura Twos. Uh, she yeah. was Julie McCoy, the cruise director. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. She was, uh, she was cute. I always had a crush on uh, her. She was very cute, yes. Yes. Um, so, what do you think is the best, um, like, sci-fi outer space like like star trek like um so aliens a tv show that's ever been on oh well that's a what what do you jim say? says jim says babylon five i actually am going to disagree and i'm going to say one that was only on for a very short time I like, uh, oh thank you i was just going to say that thank you very much yes and he brought it back for the movie and then i was hoping they were going to you know kick it into gear again but yeah, that's like. I a- am so glad you didn't say Alf. <laughs> well, he was kind of cool, but he ate cats, so you know it was kind of terrible. I know. You know, but no, Firefly was awesome because it was cowboys in space. Come on, oh, Chad Oops. says Alien Nation. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, and the original miniseries V was no, very wait. good too. I yes. never seen remake oh, of the lizards. Yes. Now wait, was it was Sliders considered? I mean, Sliders was a cool show too. You know where they. So was Quantum Leap. I mean, if you're going into yes. just sci-fi shows, yes. yeah. Yes. Yep. Exactly. One of my favorites though that didn't last, but it was on Sci-Fi. Uh, the Invisible Man, the remake of it on TV was. I never so- saw it. That was a really cool show. I liked it. Yes, very much. Sci-fi actually had, I hear that the warehouse, is it Warehouse 13, I think, on yeah, Sci-Fi? I hear that's really good, too, and I haven't seen that, but I may have to Netflix it or something. Yeah, it was like, I like that show. It was really cool. 
Yeah. I mean, it, 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 like the first season was really, I liked it the first season the most. And then it just kind of like changed because we switched characters. And, you know, sometimes it's, I don't like when they take a show and you get, you really like all the characters. And then for some reason they say, you know, that character didn't work. So we'll just kill them off and put someone else in there. I don't really, you know, yeah. sometimes you're invested in that character. And you're like, well, why'd you kill him yeah, off? I know. Oh, Jess says Roswell. That, that was the one she liked. I'm going to have to go with Firefly. I didn't see it when it was uh, originally on, but Jim watched it. Jim's looking at me like, what, honey? It's really more of a Western. He says it's really more of a Western, but it's an outer space Western, dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. Outer space Western. Come on, man. Man, get with the program. He's he's sticking with Babylon 5, I believe. I don't like Babylon 5, but don't tell him that. Wasn't yes. that the one with like Starbuck and Wind Dancer or something? No, like that was that? Buck Rogers in the 25th century. I love that show. I never saw that one. And okay, one more. We have just a minute before break. What okay. is your favorite uh, either TV or movie superhero? Oh, Greatest American Hero. Believe it or not, I'm walking, walking on air. I never thought. Cheryl, what's yours? Oh, yeah. I, that, I totally forgot about that one. I loved that show when it was on. It was awesome. Yep. You know what? They're bring, I, I, I hate to break it to you. They're bringing it back to TV. They're doing oh. a remake. Oh. I actually really, on TV, I actually really liked Smallville, but it might be because Dean Cain oh, is yeah. like super hunky. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't Dean Cain. That was not Smallville. That was Lois, Lois and Clark. Lois and Clark, I mean, yeah. And Smallville was good, though, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite superhero, Jim, since you're standing here? It's Come on, Jim, what is it? Oh, uh, I actually like Man of Steel. Man of Steel, he says. I'm surprised because he watches the one with Iron Man and Captain America and all of those. The um, yeah. yeah, the Avengers. He watches those, like, constantly. Religiously. Religiously. Yeah, mm. Actually, the second Avengers was even The better. second Avengers movie, he says. Yeah, I agree. I thought, I thought that one better. So. I don't know which one that one was. Yeah, so I'm sure I've seen many, many pieces of it because it's been on our TV like a thousand times. <laughs> okay, well, and with that little bit of playing, it's time to go to break so that we can okay. call Neil. So yeah. stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We'll be back in a minute with Neil McNeil. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier from Paranormal Underground Radio. I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, investigating the haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you too can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com or you can visit my website at authorkarenfraser.com. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. You are a waste. 
a loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas, then get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Hey everyone, it's me, Chucky G, and I'm here with Karen Fraser. I'd like to invite you to join us on Hazy Radio every Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific, 10 to midnight Eastern for Paranormal Underground Radio. In the Dark with Karen Fraser and Chucky G. We'll be exploring the paranormal and featuring the latest in spiritual and metaphysical topics, as well as interviewing intriguing guests. So please join us every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern for two hours of exciting paranormal radio on hazyradio.com. We are back with Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on MixLR with your host Karen Frazier and me, the lovely Chucky G. We now have our wonderful guest online, Neil McNeil, and I have already told him how cool his name is, by the way. Um, he's a parapsychologist and Reiki practitioner, amongst other things. Good evening, Neil. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Just let me correct you very slightly. I'm not actually a parapsychologist. That would require a degree, but I am a parapsychology consultant. Oh, Okay. It's one of those oh. academic things that I just kind of have, have to throw out there. That's okay. That's all right. According I, I to what I have. Email. Yeah, that's okay. It was on my sheet. You can't see it, but it was on my sheet. So that's right. Chuck, Chuck actually prepares for these shows, Neil. He is much better oh, and more. I know. He's way more vigilant about these things. Than I, and it, you know what's really great is that means I get to just coast. You can just yeah. take that. Yeah. Okay, so, somebody else has done the homework. That's right. Okay. Well, I don't so, need to do homework on you. You can. <laughs> no, you've got. You know most of my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. We'll get to those later. But anyways, yeah. um, so wait. So you're not a parapsychologist. You are a say again. I'm a parapsychology consultant. Basically, what that means is that I can't call myself a parapsychologist because you can't get a degree in parapsychology. Okay. here in the U.S. anymore. You actually okay. have to go abroad. And, and since I haven't actually done that yet to get that degree, um, I just yeah. keep, it, keep it nice and friendly in, in academic circles. Okay, that's cool. That's all right. Um, but you still pretty much know the same... He knows of- his stuff. Yeah, I'm just checking. All right, so, um, Neil, how long have you been in the field of the paranormal? Well, uh, that would be since 1993, actually. So, for a while, shall we say, a while. Okay. Um, I got into it <clears throat> back in the 90s. I was actually a radio DJ uh, down in the San Francisco area. And uh, I had the really good fortune to interview Lloyd Auerbach um, for my Saturday evening show. And I was just utterly fascinated with all of the stories that he had to tell and the cool and creaky and weird stuff that he was talking about and and did not know until that moment that there was actually a science behind all of this stuff that people really did study um, and that there are actually scientific scientific explanations and things about ghosts and hauntings and psychic phenomena and that sort of thing. So that really got me started on the, on the path. So I've been doing a lot of study and independent scholarship and, and uh, all that kind of good stuff ever since then. Okay. Um, so 
let's just talk about parapsychology in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, summarize that for me so people understand what that is. In 30 right. words or less. <laughs> in 30, are you going to count? You're going to count. I know I, you. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, okay. <laughs> parapsychology basically is the science, the parent science that studies psychic or what's known as psi phenomena. And that includes things like extrasensory perception, like telepathy, clairvoyance, clairsentience, uh, precognition, uh, and psychokinesis, or mind over matter. So levitation, spoon bending, psychic healing, all those kinds of things. And also survival of death, survival of bodily death. So that's where we get the things like apparitions and reincarnation and mediumship, communication with the dead. Okay. How's so, that? Was that 31 words? That, no, no, that was good. I, didn't, I forgot to count. That was good. I like that. Would you, could, you, so, could you say it again exactly like you did? <laughs> one more next time. Week. I'll, do it, I'll do it next week. How about that? I'll be here oh, next okay. week. Boom, boom. So uh, out of all those things you just mentioned, what, what strikes your fancy the most? I mean, what, what really interests you about well, probably, I think anybody who knows me at this point knows that it's the survival of bodily death uh, section of the program that I, I have the most interest in because I really enjoy uh, field work. I really love doing field research, going out into the field to do investigations of reportedly haunted uh, houses and, and uh, uh, buildings and whatnot and investigating reports of poltergeist phenomena and investigating reports of apparitional activity as well. Those are the ones that, that really kind of trip my trigger, the ones that I've been doing the longest. Um, okay. That isn't to say that I don't enjoy uh, the research at the laboratory level for psychokinesis and extrasensory perception phenomena. But I really like, I'm kind of a hands-on sort of a person, so I really like getting another field. Okay. Well, and one of the things that's really great for you and that you're really um, fortunate is that you have... Uh, some kind of regular places so you can get repeatable things, right? You like, I know, aren't you, do you still research the Walker Ames quite a lot? Um, yeah, actually it's, it's, uh, well, as, as you know, cause you were out at the, the Port Gamble ghost conference, um, just a couple weeks ago. Um, Port Gamble is actually has been sort of my laboratory in the field. Um, for, you know, I guess it's over 10 years now or just about 10 years. Um, when I was first invited to come out and, and investigate this. And this is a whole town, a uh, historical town, a mill town, um, that is out on the Olympic Peninsula here in Washington State. That um, basically, I, for my money, it's the most haunted town in western Washington. because uh, I'm right there with you, yeah. Well, okay. Um, but uh, it, virtually all of the buildings in town have some kind of activity associated with them. And as Karen said, what's really cool about it is that it's consistent activity. So yeah. you can go virtually any time of the year and find out what's happening. And um, yeah. there's enough groups and individuals out there that are doing that year-round now. Um, yeah. It paints a pretty good picture of what's happening. Yeah. Hey, Neil, uh, for some reason, sometimes your audio is really muffled and it's hard to understand you. And sometimes it's crispy clear. And I'm not sure how you're adjusting on your end, but can we can we work that out really quickly so that uh, because I don't want people to miss what you're saying. Sure. We'll do our best. How is this that? Thing? That's good right there. Right, Chuck? Okay. Is that good? Yeah, I, I won't. I won't move an inch. Okay, do <laughs> not sit hour. very still. <laughs> okay, at the commercial okay. break, I'll go get my aluminum foil, and we'll be good. Okay, yeah. oh, you just muffled again. Did you move? I did not. 
Oh, there, that's good. That's better. Um, <laughs> okay. So how long have you been investigating Port Gamble? Um, it'd be about 10 years at this point. I, I can't remember the exact date, but, um, yeah, we were invited by the property management um, to the property manager at the time to come out and do some investigation because she was receiving reports from the tenants of activity and things that she had experienced or witnessed herself. So she wanted um, somebody with a little more kind of professional background under experience, I guess, um, in, in this field. So we were invited out to the group I was with at the time was the Evergreen Paranormal Group. And yeah. um, basically what I say is I, I, I got out there and I never left. I'm, I'm still kind of there. And yeah. To this day, doing research and uh, collecting stories and, and seeing what, what the patterns are out there. Yeah. Well, and it's a really unique town, too, because it's entirely owned by Pope Resources, isn't it? It is. It's an historic town. Um, it was it was founded in 1853, and the mill actually started in 1853, right after they founded the town. So it closed down in 1995. It was the longest-running uh, timber mill in U.S. history. And at the time that it closed down, a property management company took over and basically realized the potential of the, the history of the town. And... Um, in very short order, they started to refurbish things and, uh, and make up a wonderful historical kind of uh, tourist stop that it is today because uh, it's, it's really a lovely little slice of New England right here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of um, you just, when you drive or walk through the town, it, it's like it's lost in time almost. It's, it is. It yeah. Is. It's very I charming. Actually, yeah, I think it actually has a lot to do with um, with the amount of activity that's in the town, too. Um, just simply because so little of it has been disturbed for so long a period of time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really cool place, and I enjoy it, although I think, you know, I, I think I've probably told you I don't like the Walker Ames house, but I like the house itself. I just, it, it makes me uncomfortable to be there, is all, so. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Usually <laughs> what we hear is, is people actually fell in love with the house. Um, I know. The, the, Walk, the Walker Ames Mansion itself was built in 1888, 1889, and um, it was the mill manager's house. So it's this really lovely old three-story uh, gingerbread Victorian in the Queen Anne style, um, and it hasn't been occupied since the early early 1990s. Um, so there's really nothing inside. So it's kind of a quintessential haunted house when you walk in there. Yeah. Um, but you know, beautiful Victorian era furnishings and and, and whatnot. And people, yeah. most people find uh, that they fall in love with the place, but there are a couple of people, you know, that just can't mm-hmm. be in the house, and that, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's just two places. It's the attic and um, the bathroom. The, uh, on like the, I think it's on the second floor. It was like I possibly a maid's bathroom or something. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, there's a bathroom that I don't like. But um, it is. It's a gorgeous house, and architecturally, it's beautiful, and it's, I mean, yes. beautiful location, a beautiful view, and the house is adorable. Chuck, we'll go there when, you'll have to come out here. And I, Chuck has, Chuck's getting a list of Washington and Oregon places. <laughs> oh, good. Your, your bucket list for the Northwest. Yeah, yeah. The yeah that's, list. That's your, that should be your first stop, I think. So what, I Karen, mean. Karen might disagree with me. And you say <laughs> No, I love Port Gamble. Well, you oh, say there's okay. lots of activity. So what, I mean, what kind of, the, some of the activity that's there, I mean, that really stands out? Um, well, we've had kind of just the whole range. Everything, a lot of um, a lot of operational activity. Actually, we know of 
or at least have, have had reports of more than a dozen individual personalities, um, as far as ghosts go, in the house, um, many of which have been seen um, by multiple witnesses on various occasions, and a couple of which have actually been photographed. Um, we've had luminous or light phenomena um, in places like the basement area. Uh-huh. Um, we've had we've had objects moved in the house, doors opened and closed and slammed. Um, we've had people um, touched, pushed, um, shoved, hair pulled and tugged, things like that. Um, all kinds of wonderful, creepy, interesting <laughs> kinds of phenomena that uh, go on. That's interesting. If you can think of it, it's probably happened there. Okay. Uh, question to some of the stuff you mentioned. I, 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 I want to see what you had to say about this. Uh, we're talking about apparitions. You, you know, you said that there was a couple caught on on, on film uh, photos. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that? You know, because this this happens a lot in the paranormal field. I mean, as me being an investigator, also, uh, and to most, uh, you know, audio is abound. You know, you can catch that pretty readily. Um, why do you feel? apparitions aren't caught quite so much whether it's on video or uh, a photo what do you think you're what's the what's the thought process behind that well that's a really good question but from the parapsychology point of view an apparition we believe is the, the leftover consciousness of someone who has died okay. um so there's no physicality there's no nothing physical about that person that is left it's just uh, free-floating, you can kind of think of it as just a, a, a cloud of consciousness okay. that's just roaming around. Okay. Um, so obviously, how is that going to present itself in a photograph? Right. And you can be kind of hard-pressed to come up with an idea for that, but the current model that parapsychology looks at is that um, because because of, of the phenomena of psychokinesis, that is mind over matter, we okay. know that people who are alive can actually affect physical media, like audio recorders, like digital uh, uh, cameras and film, they can actually get images on film or they can get sounds um, or voices onto uh, tape. So if you can do that while you're alive, and if we posit that that phenomenon, PK, is mental, is part of your, your consciousness, it stands to reason that that survives along with the rest of the consciousness after the death of the body. Okay. So that means that parapsychologists think that a ghost or an apparition, being pure consciousness, also has the ability to do or perform psychic phenomena. So when you see an apparition, it's probably a telepathic or clairvoyant projection. Uh-huh. Uh, like a connection, a two-way connection between right. you and the apparition. Okay. And then they're actually affecting film or digital media. Again, they're using psychic phenomena, in this case PK, uh-huh. to make themselves uh, imprinted or imprint themselves, an image of themselves, the sound of their voice, onto right. that media. Or the third choice is that they are using their psychic phenomena to affect, the, uh, say, the investigator, who mm-hmm. then in turn uses their psychic phenomena to imprint it into oh. Yeah, so like a, like we're the projector, you know, they're the energy, and that's that's a. I I find that theory to be really fascinating because you know I mean when you're talking about the other one, they're imprinting it sort of like ghost writing when they had the you know that case where they had all the ghost writing coming on uh, film. Oh, and the Polaroids, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and the Polaroids, right? 
um, kind of the same concept behind it. So, so well, essence, even more though, the Skull yes. Experimental Group mm-hmm. had yes. the they put the film the undeveloped. So I don't even think they did anything with the film. They just no, put they it didn't. in a canister, yes. and then it right. came out with writing and and things like that. So you're you would say then with parapsychological research that that's most likely if it's not fraud then it's right. most if likely it, if PK. You can rule that out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you can if you can rule that out, it's the one uh, hypothesis that really covers all of the bases. Um, it explains why some people can you know, you have an apparition appear in the middle of a room in front of twelve people. Some of them are gonna see it. Yeah. Some of them might hear it. Some of them might sense a presence. Some of them aren't gonna even notice it at all. But yeah. that that is because everybody's psychic ability is slightly different. Not everybody's going to pick it up in the same way. So it really right. is, it, it, it's a very elegant um, hypothesis that really does cover all of the bases. Um, well, it makes I'm perfect not, not, sense. Yeah. I'm yeah. not really one of these people that believes that, that um, you know, a ghost creates a physical body. Um, I think they can create the impression of a physical mm-hmm. body. And I say that being somebody who has literally run into a ghost, I mean, like smack into a ghost in one of my very first cases uh, here in the in Seattle area, I literally ran into a ghost, even though there was nothing there physically to see, but I, I came up against something solid. So to my way of thinking, that's really one of the only ways that I can explain um, how I would have that perception or that experience that there's a, there's a, my perception was that there was something physical there. Mm-hmm. Even though there's nothing there to actually see. So if that if that if, if the, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Karen. I was gonna say if that's a if that's a true statement, how do you separate the uh speaking to the other side or the dead? Um, how do we how do we separate like let's just take audio for instance. How do we separate the audio that they're talking to us versus us imprinting it ourselves through our heads? How do you do that? Well again, that's that, that's a really good question that we can't answer at this point because it, it our, our level of technology hasn't progressed to the point where we can make that determination. So we'll mm-hmm. never really know. If you've got an electronic voice phenomenon uh, recorded or an electronic audio phenomenon recorded, mm-hmm. um, you simply won't be able to tell, is that actually the apparition? Is that the investigator or somebody else in the group? Who is that and, and what's happening there? Um, okay. we, we think, again, according to the theory, everybody has a self-concept. You know, if you, if you stop, you close your eyes, you think about yourself, you have a picture of yourself. You know how you look, uh-huh. you know how you act, how you sound. We carry that through our lives, and that's, again, part of our, our mental makeup. So, it's, again, it stands to reason that that self-concept or that self-image is what is projected. So that can explain why we're hearing the voice, um, the way that it actually sounded when it was alive. Because we do have documented cases where people have either seen photographs of a ghost in apparition or heard audio recording or simply uh, experienced the behavior of the apparition and they knew the apparition when they were alive and they're able to confirm uh, that that really is who you're talking about. So again, the theory really does cover a lot of bases. It goes a long way to explaining all these really strange tangents that, that we have with the evidence uh, for you know survival of death. Right. Well, that's a well, that that's that's that, all right. So then, um, psychics like myself, yeah. okay. Um, I mean, like when I'm 
when I'm picking up on like I'll give for instance a friend of mine and and, his, and her grandfather comes through and I can actually in my mind I can see him um, I can describe mm-hmm. what he looks like I can tell you if, sometimes on smells uh, his mannerisms I'll even pick up his mannerisms and re- and tell her things that of course I wouldn't know you know what I mean um, what what do you think about that kind of stuff. Well, I think that the same rules apply, and they don't really change. You as a psychic or a, or a, a medium, a psychic medium, you're still getting that projection yes. from the consciousness of the apparition, and that's okay. coming through loud and clear to you, just as if I, if, if, as we're sitting and talking on the radio, I can describe myself to you, what I'm wearing, where yes. I'm sitting, the room that I'm in, and you can get yourself a really good mental picture and description on your end without mm-hmm. actually having to be in physical contact with me or be in the same room with me. The same right. idea. And okay. So, you know, I, again, I'm not one of those people that, that um, looks at, at evidence from psychics and mediums and says, this has no bearing on, you know, on what we're doing. You shouldn't pay attention to this. I absolutely right. agree that this is evidence um, that we should take into account because it's just as valid and it's based on the same principles. Yeah. Okay. So, Neil, um, are there any cases where you have more than one person um, who has an experience at the same time, but their experience is different? So, for instance, say um, you and I are walking through the Walker Ames house, and I see the apparition, but you hear it, or things like that. Does that happen? I mean, are there any documented cases of things like that? Oh, it absolutely does. And actually, I've got some documented cases from the Walker Ames house. Um, on that case, um, okay. there, there was there was one of the apparitions that we believe is there, um, and coincidentally in in the area on the second floor of the bathroom where you mm-hmm. say that you don't like being, uh, this is one of the areas where that particular apparition is reported most often. Um, we've, I've actually had students. Uh, in, I teach these classes and I take them on investigations, and uh, a couple of the students actually experienced that apparition in a few different ways. Two people saw the apparition at roughly the same time. Another person heard the apparition, and another person sensed the apparition being there and actually was able to draw a picture of it. And they were in a completely different room. Um, so roughly in the same 15, you know, 10 to 15-minute period of time, this apparition was being experienced by multiple people individually, independent of each other, and independent of each other's knowledge of the experience. And yet they're, they're, they're getting it in a, in a, from a different sense. Each, each one of them has it from a different sense. It's just like when, you know, living people, we have senses that are stronger or weaker. You know, my sense of smell is not that great. Neither is my sense of, of uh, vision. But I've got pretty decent hearing and a pretty good tactile touch. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that those are things that I rely on when I do investigation and I have an experience. It's probably going to be one of those things. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses, so it stands to reason that uh, people, when they're having a paranormal experience, they're going to be experiencing it with the, the senses that are strongest to them. Right. Uh, we need to take a break uh, because we're right up against the top of the hour. So let's take a break, and when we come back, we can talk about some of the classes you teach because you teach, you don't just teach basic, you know, ghost hunting 101. You, you teach <laughs> classes that are all kinds of interesting uh, about the paranormal, so I want to talk about some of those. So um, stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio here on MixLR. We're talking with Neil McNeil, and we will be back in just a minute.
Hey everyone, it's me, Chucky G, and I'm here with Karen Fraser. We'd like to invite you to join us on Hazy Radio every Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific, 10 to midnight Eastern for Paranormal Underground Radio. In the Dark with Karen Fraser and Chucky G. We'll be exploring the paranormal and featuring the latest in spiritual and metaphysical topics, as well as interviewing intriguing guests. So please join us every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern for two hours of exciting paranormal radio on hazyradio.com. We are back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. I'm, I'm sorry. With Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G, and our lovely guest, Neil McNeil. Hello, Neil. Probably How are you? Thank you. There you you are. Chucky, Chucky are calls lovely. himself lovely as well. Yeah, we can be lovely. <laughs> Just because we're men does not mean we can't be lovely. No, okay? You're both very beautiful. Very true. Well, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, well, so, thank okay. you. so let's talk about classes there, Mr. Neil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why don't you uh, give us a, a wide array of all the different classes that you teach and maybe a little summary on each one so we can find out more about them. Well, there's there's a lot of them. Actually, it was uh, back in 2008, I was asked to do a college lecture, and that ended up turning into an entire uh, class on parapsychology, on the, the basics of parapsychology, um, with an emphasis on paranormal investigation. Um, and that ran for many, many years, and became an advanced class, and there was an evidence laboratory that went, went with that. And then I started to branch out into all these other topics, uh, you know, the history of the ghost story and a class I have called Watery Graves about uh, haunted ships and lighthouses and things like that. So, you know, I try to, I try to keep it fresh and interesting and I'm always doing different topics and, and whatnot. And okay. um, I think it was, um, it was about a month or so ago, I think Karen and I, we were having dinner before an investigation down in St. Helens, Oregon at the Klondike. And uh, she asked me what I was, what was coming up in a, a class was, and I said, well, I, I have this new one that I'm going to do for Halloween called Sex and the Paranormal, um, which pretty much stopped the dinner conversation right then and there. I no, I didn't. I asked you all sorts of, didn't I, didn't I say, oh, tell me more? <laughs> well, everybody else got really, really quiet. So That's yeah. true. That's true. They started listening to what we were talking about all of a sudden. So, yeah. I'm sorry, you said, you said sex in the paranormal. Is that what you just said? Sex and the paranormal, yes. Wow. So, as opposed okay. to sex in the paranormal, yeah. Oh, okay. So, which probably happens all the time yeah, also. I'm sure so. it does, yeah. but that's mm-hmm. a whole other... That's a, whole that's, other, that's, uh, that's other that's a, a different yeah. show altogether, sir. This show is PG-13. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So, well, this particular class, the Sex and the Paranormal class, um, came about basically through, through all the research that I have been doing over the years. I would notice every once in a while that there would be a case or a mention about phenomena, usually ghostly phenomena that had some kind of, of sexual connotation or undertone or overtone to it. And, you know, you fire that kind of stuff in the back of your brain. And eventually, you build up so many of them that you say, wow, there's, there's actually really a topic here that needs to be addressed. And so that, that kind of became the impetus for the, the class, that this is a, um, a topic that is not only uh, real, but... Um, is very interesting and never really talked about because you don't, this is a taboo topic for I think a lot of people. That's why you don't see a lot of this information out there because who wants to, to say that, you know, they've, they've had sex with a ghost or something right. along those lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, so are there a lot of people? Well, first of all, okay. 
So this is just kind of the urban legendy stuff that I know about sex with ghosts. Don't worry, 12-year-olds, it's fine. Um, we are PG-13 on this show. Um, anyway, so is that typically, there, there aren't there two spirits that are like supposed to be sexual spirits and they're the incubus and the succubus? Correct, yes. Yeah, but that's not what very, we're talking very, about here. Well, actually, it's part of what we're talking okay. about here because it's, it's actually part of the tradition. I mean, the whole, the whole idea of something or someone that comes to visit you in the night and, um, you know, pleasure you or do something in the night, um, coming from, from the other side, coming from the beyond, that's actually a very, very old tradition. It goes back um, all the way to, well, I, we actually have reference to it in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is one of the first pieces of writing that we actually have on record. So, it, you know, it goes back all the way, this idea of the, the visitor in the night. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you bring it now forward today, and you've got aliens showing up in your room. At that's the true. Doing things. So that's, yes. that's that part of that ghost story. Do you know the story of Gifford Pinchot, who is, uh, you know, the forest guy? <laughs> right, right. The, the, the one with the forest named after. No, I don't think I'm familiar with, with that story. Well, Chuck can tell you because he wrote about it in the magazine. The what? Uh, oh, Gifford the... Pinchot and his oh. wife, and she died, and then he carried mm-hmm. on a romantic relationship with her yep. spirit for years yeah. after yeah. her death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there, go ahead. Is that common? Oh, I, was, I was just going to say, is that common? It's it's unusual, but not unheard of. Um, actually, the most common type of of apparition mm-hmm. reported is of loved ones who have just died, and they they've come back to pay you a visit. And in in this case, it obviously it isn't sex, but it's right. it's comforting and it's soothing, mm-hmm. and yes. it's got a lot of love, uh, you know, sense attached to it. Um, so that that is actually the most common type of, of apparition that is reported that we, hmm. that we have documentation of. So very very common in in that sense, yeah. But sex with a ghost clearly isn't physical. So is it PK? Well, that would be my guess. It's either that or you know, you're in need of new meds. I'm not, I'm not sure <laughs> which side of the fence do you come down on. I'm not too sure. Um, but we've had, I mean, there, there are people that have, have reported having sex with ghosts um, on a number of occasions. Probably two of the, the, the more well-known ones of the paranormal community today uh, would be Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures. Um, you know, he, he uh, said that he had sex with a ghost or, or basically had an intimate relationship with a ghost at one point. Uh, mm-hmm. It was for the, the uh, Valentine's Day show, I think, appropriately enough. Um, and then Nicole Smith said the same thing about, about uh, not about Zach Baggins, but about carrying on a, um, a relationship with an ethereal being um, and it was so good that she wanted to see him again. You know, that sort of thing. And then Nicole Smith did? Absolutely. Absolutely she did. Yeah. She said it was was the most amazing time she'd had of that sort, and she didn't want it to stop. She wanted it to continue. So actually that's, you know, again, it's not uncommon. Probably more common are are just people that want to have sex in cemeteries or graveyards um, just for the the care of... uh, of being there and, and being surrounded by the dead, you know. Some people really get off on that idea, no pun intended. Um, but it really is a very common 
um, uh, newspaper headline these days. Just Google Google graveyard sex, and you'll see all kinds of interesting things come up. Well, days. I have my work cut out for me later, I guess, huh? Yeah. Sucks See, I'm learning. Up. I'm learning things. So you say it's it's fairly common, but do you think it's even more common than you would imagine? Because if I'm having sex with a ghost and I'm not, I wouldn't admit it, but I'm not. <laughs> How neatly sidestepped! I like that. Um, no, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. It's not the sort of thing that most people are going to talk about. Um, in fact, the the stories that first kind of got me into the idea of this class were the stories of abuse at the hands of spectral figures in poltergeist cases. Um, the entity case being probably the most famous one, uh, over city case, um, where Doris, uh, um, uh, is it Doris Bissell, I can't remember her name, um, was apparently attacked by three different specters. Two of them held her down, and the other one, you know, went at it. And um, unfortunately, it was never witnessed by anybody other than the family members um, at the time, but they were able to vouch for the fact that she was being physically attacked, physically abused. And to her and her way of thinking, yeah, there was a definite uh, sexual connotation to it. So, you know, in those cases, we don't know whether it's actually the PK uh, that's that's being described, or it's you know simply your own imagination that is is kind of throwing you away with the situation. There's really not not too many ways that we can determine that at this point. But the the stories of that sort are definitely there. Huh. I know. I don't I know. even know what to say about that I because know. I always I mean because all of my experiences with spirits seriously are, you know, very gentle and benign. And I mean, every once in a while you run across an A-pipe or something who's not as nice right. as the, the other guy. But, but yeah, and so... I, I'm still stuck on I, the graveyard sex thing there. It's like, I thought Star Wars had the dark side. Evidently not. Well, it would be cold and it would be buggy and the ground would be hard. I mean, I yeah. can just think of a lot better places I'm sorry. to do it. The, what, the, right. the ground would be what? Did you say hard. the ground would be? Oh, oh I said hard. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Well, you know, sorry. Um, well, think, okay. of, think about it this way. Most most people in life aren't <laughs> sex maniacs. They're not, you know, they're not out there doing these kinds of things. So, again, we sort of know that apparitions behave the way they did in life. Um, yeah. So again, if you yeah. if you are an apparition, chances are you're not going to be some kind of sex fiend running around trying to hit everybody up in the in the real world. But what if you're a rapist in life and you die and you stay as a ghost, or if you're like a serial killer or something? Does that mean that's scary? Oh, great! Now I'm yes, afraid. That is, that is. <laughs> it's an interesting idea. I don't know of too many cases that have been reported along those lines, but it's, it's you know the possibility is there at least according to this particular hypothesis. Huh. Well, then, then I would have to go back to being afraid again. Well, you know, just wear protection, you'll be fine. <laughs> well, and that's it. What kind of protection can you wear against a ghost? Against something that you can't see. Well, again, remember that we're talking about something that doesn't have a physical form. Yes. So basically what they're doing is downloading their idea of what they're doing or want to do to your mind which is then causing you to have the appropriate physical sensations. So, yeah, so, so wait, so you're saying basically case, you could just download in your brain the proper protection for the event. 
Exactly. I mean, theoretically, that's that's what you can do. Okay. Um, we actually we actually know that that works very well with uh, telepathy. A lot of people think that telepathy, you know, somebody can actually read your mind. And the fact of the matter is, is that all you have to do is deny them access to your mind. You just have to have the thought in your head. I don't want anybody reading my thoughts. And that actually puts the kibosh on the whole thing. Um, we have studies from, from the UW, uh, University of Washington, that actually show that. So the same, the same thing would apply in this case if you felt that somebody was, you know, getting into your head and, and trying to give you perceptions that, that aren't wanted. Theoretically, all you need to do is just put a stop to it in your own mind. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Well, and that's true. I mean, because I do that with, because I'm empathic and um, that can make life difficult sometimes. Um, but, you know, using shields or things like that, intention is, is it's, it, people think it just sounds hinky or like you're making stuff up or something. But honestly, intention really does serve as protection. Well, it, it absolutely does. Uh, the, the power of intention itself has been medically documented, um, you know, for, for decades. We know a lot about intention, that it really does affect you and, and can affect your physical environment, um, especially in, in the form of PK. So absolutely, when, when you are doing your grounding or your clearing or your shielding to those who are psychic to mediums, they do those practices themselves. It actually has a really uh, beneficial and very positive and effective effect um, on you, on you physiologically. So it, it really does stand to reason that, that that would work and does. So then, if that's the case, um, what about like you mentioned the uh, the entity case, or mm-hmm. um, you know people who who uh, believe they may be demonically possessed or things like that. Um, why then in some of these, like, okay, you, you hear a lot of things. Well, we we had somebody come out and clear our house and things were quiet for five minutes and then all hell broke loose. So mm-hmm. why would my or that person's intention not work? Is it that they're just not buying into their own intention or? Yes, it's absolutely possible that that's one of the, one of the, the reasons that it might not work. The other, the other reason, just kind of take, putting on the investigator hat um, for a moment, would be if that was what was being reported to me, I would want to make sure that I knew what kind of phenomenon we were talking about. Because if it was an apparition, an apparition has free will. An apparition can do basically whatever it wants to do. And if it doesn't want to leave, it doesn't have to leave. Right. If it, if it is a haunting uh, situation, a haunt phenomena, that's a recording on the environment. Um, that just replays over and over again. So basically, telling telling a, a you know a movie that's playing on your TV to stop playing generally doesn't work. So you have to do something else. You have to erase it, overwrite it. In some, how in some do you way. how do you do that? Because I actually just had a case with a um, a client like this, and I, I honestly it it was clearly um, a, a recording because it was the same okay. thing in the same spot. Um, and also, I couldn't connect with it in any um, emotional or mental way like I normally can when there's a spirit there. And I even called Patty when I got home, and I said, you know, I just, I can't connect to this house. And she said, well, that's because it's, it's probably, you know, a residual. So how do, right. they, how do they fix that? Well, generally, it's advisable to work within, um, within the parameters set forth by the client. So in other words, you know, if they're very religious or spiritual people, then I'll take that angle um, and and use that in whatever uh, technique or ceremony that I'm that I'm going to do 
In other cases, you throw a loud uh, party with a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of good times and music and uh, that sort of thing, and that actually has been shown to erase or overwrite um, whatever is there on the environment. Probably my favorite example of this type of thing comes from Lloyd Auerbach. Uh, he has a case that he investigated that he calls his exorcist case, appropriately enough, um, where a young couple who had just moved into this uh, apartment um, were being awakened in the middle of the night by the sounds of, of very loud, passionate lovemaking, uh, which was not their own, unfortunately. Um, and his advice to them, because this was a haunting situation, left over from the people who had lived there previously, was for this new couple to go ahead and have their own passionate night of romance. And in doing that, they basically put another layer over that recording, and they weren't bothered by, by the phenomena again. So there's any number of ways that, that you can do this. For some people, it's smudging or cleansing or bringing in somebody to do a house blessing. That works fine if that's, if that's what's comfortable for the client. Um, to, to do go the party route or do have some kind of exercise, you know, that, that you do. Um, in some cases, it's actually physically changing the environment. So knocking down walls or redecorating. Sometimes just pulling off the wallpaper. This is actually a phenomenon that has happened in the Walker Lane's house. Simply pulling wallpaper off the walls will change that uh, recording, will actually alter it. So there's a number of different ways, and it just kind of depends on, on what the particular circumstances of the case are and okay. what the wishes of the client are. Okay. Hey, when we were having dinner a couple weeks ago, you mentioned that you had, because you're a Reiki practitioner, and you had mentioned that you have used Reiki with spirits, or am I misremembering? Yes. Yeah, it was a big surprise to me. Um, uh, a lot of people actually don't know that, that I do have one leg or one foot in the spiritual aspect of things, and the other leg is in parapsychology. I do uh, work as a, as a Reiki practitioner or as an energy practitioner, in addition to being a certified foot and hand reflexologist here in Seattle. And one of the things, one of the most interesting experiences that I've had recently was about a year ago, um, I was in contact with an apparition, what I believe to be an apparition, um, of a man who had a leg injury. And he was, my impression was that he was on crutches and he was sitting down in a chair in the, the living room area of this particular house. Um, this was independently verified, by the way, by two other psychic mediums. Uh, who had the same impression of the same gentleman with the same injury. And I just, for whatever reason, got the impression that he was really needing help. So I said, would you mind if I tried to help you with your leg? And he said, basically, whatever you can do would be very, very much appreciated. So I just started doing an energy session like it would be with a living client. I just started doing it with the client who was dead. And interestingly enough, at the same time that I started feeling that this particular apparition was beginning to get some relief, the other two uh, investigators, who again were only watching from the doorway, they couldn't really see what I was doing, both in their notes said the same thing, that all of a sudden the pain in the leg was disappearing and that mobility was returning to the leg. And that at the end, he was very happy and that he was able to literally walk out of the house. This apparition was able to leave 
the building that he had been stuck in for who knows how long. Um, so that's a completely subjective experience on my part, but I feel that there was something to that because it was a very real experience to me. And there was some validity, you know, from two other people mm-hmm. um, having a very similar experience of that situation. It's not something that I've ever done before. I haven't done it since. Um, I don't know how many, how many apparitions are out there needing energy work, per se, um, but it was, it was surely one of the most um, unique experiences I've ever had in, uh, in the field. And, and uh, I would love to be able to do that again for somebody. Hmm. Um, all right. So I want to I get back just for a second to right before you were talking about the Reiki, though I found that extremely interesting. And, and just to note on that, I mean, I, I get it with the energy. I mean, I can see the connection to it, which is, you know, like you said, how many really need a, you know, sort of like having a ghost need a chiropractor, you know. But um, <laughs> uh, what but, but you're talking about, like when you're, you know, when you're pulling down wallpaper, changing the environment in a mm-hmm. haunted location. Um, so, you know, you always hear that, oh, hey, you know, uh, you know, we're knocking down walls and all of a sudden things start happening. Uh, I find it I find it interesting because I always believe that the environment in itself, not just us or them, but the environment itself is a large chunk of the puzzle of what's going on. Um, so if you have a house and nothing's going on and then all of a sudden you start knocking walls down everything, is that, is, I mean, why is it always automatically something has to happen. I mean, why are there, do you believe there's places where they, they, uh, they re-renovate and nothing happens? Or is it, do you think it's, it's, a, it's a very common thing that that's going to happen because of the energy and the environment? Interesting way of putting it. I, I think probably, I'm, I'm kind of personally, this isn't a professional opinion, this is just a personal opinion. That's I okay. I think that everybody, everywhere, all of our environments, the land, the buildings that we have, we leave a mark on those. Energy is a very, very real thing. We all have a biofield. We all have electromagnetism that ourselves are giving us. Yes. Um, and it does seem to be that somehow intense emotions or stronger emotions or events mm-hmm. are the ones that tend to imprint themselves on the environment. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, usually those are negative events. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we really have really strong, happy events that, that go on. They, they do happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and for whatever reason, the strength of that energy, the strength of that emotion, that energy, that emotional energy, mm-hmm. is what seems to be what's sticking to the environment, or maybe all of it sticks, but that's the stuff that actually shines through, mm-hmm. because it's the strongest. Okay. And so, if you think about a place that, you know, is 10, 20, 30 years old, that's a lot of layers of energy, a lot of layers of experiences and events that have happened mm-hmm. over the years. And so when you change the environment, you can use the analogy of the wallpaper again. If you strip off a layer of wallpaper, there's another pattern underneath that. Right. And if you strip that off, there's a whole other pattern beneath that. So right. every time you change the environment, it doesn't necessarily mean that the activity is going to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very possible that it will continue or it will alter it in some way because you've altered the physical environment, i.e. Mm-hmm. the strength of the energy. Right. Of the emotional content in okay. that environment. All right. Okay. Um, so, 
now, I'm, I'm, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah, it did. And, and, and I guess I, I'll go further with it. So, you know, if we're talking about, um, you know, our energy and, and printing within the environment or on, or even, you know, spirit attachment, we can get into all that kind of stuff. Um, where does the intelligence come in? You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, at first it's like we start changing things and, you know, and, and sometimes you'll, you'll find, like as an investor guy, I find that sometimes there's, there's residual, which is just playback of something that's happening within the environment. And then you have intelligence where I can ask questions and get valid, uh, you know, references back to my questions intelligently and it'll fit the history of the home and stuff like that. So where do you, how, how do you think that falls into line? Well, actually, parapsychologists draw a very distinct line between those two things. Again, hauntings, uh, what some people call residuals, place uh, memory. Um, again, that's just a recording on the environment. It doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like watching, you know, a commercial time and time again. Um, the intelligent aspect of it indicates uh, a mind, a consciousness, so i.e. an apparition. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be one or the other. If it seems to have, you know, a behavior to it that changes, mm-hmm. then you're probably looking at an apparition. If it doesn't change and it just keeps doing the same thing over and over at 2 o'clock in the morning, every night, um, then you've probably got yourself a haunting. So you mm-hmm. deal with those two things differently. Having said that, I've been on, I've been on investigations. I have had cases, um, and there are many documented cases, of having both of those phenomena in the yes. same place. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or even the third leg of that, which is poltergeist phenomena, mm-hmm, having correct. all three of those, have all three of those in a, in a single case, in a single mm-hmm. location. So yes. all of those combinations are possible. So it becomes it becomes you have to be Sherlock Holmes, and you have to start you know <laughs> the process of elimination and find out okay, this is being experienced at this time, and this is the pattern here, and this is being experienced, and this is the pattern. Here, and then you're able to differentiate between them and then mm-hmm. deal with them appropriately. Okay. It's the, yep. it's the, it's the thing about, um, there's, a, there's a term, people, people tend to use the term intelligent hunting and residual hunting. And I, I like to go on record as saying they're really from a parapsychology point of view, there is no such thing. Right. It's either a hunting or it's an apparition. Okay. It's, it's one or the other. It's okay. one or the other. It's an apparition or it's a haunting. Okay, well. Yeah. I want to I want to um talk about poltergeists for a little bit because you just brought sure. that up. So, my experience in working with clients is that a majority of the time poltergeist activity is um living agent related. However, yeah. it can also be spirits, although my experience is if it's spirits it's usually not quite as dramatic. Uh, is that sort of correct, I mean, or, or am I missing the boat here? No, you're totally not missing the boat. I tend to think of it in, in those terms as well, that basically the stuff that's really dramatic um, is, is probably the living agent um, part of the phenomena, especially, and here's the thing with poltergeist cases, because a lot of the phenomena that happen, the physical stuff, is symbolic. Yeah. So if there if there is a lot of anger in the environment and the anger is being repressed from the the agent is actually repressing the anger, mm-hmm. you're probably going to get really angry type phenomena. So things being slammed into walls or maybe fires just fighting spontaneously, things that would represent anger. 
Or if there's a lot of sorrow that's being repressed, you might get a lot of water-related phenomena, those kinds of things. So that can be an indicator that it's the living agent um, style. Right. If, as you say, if, as you say, the physical phenomena that are happening aren't necessarily quite as dramatic, and they're not necessarily as um, symbolic or, or have as much of a pattern to them, then I might be more inclined to wonder if it's an apparition that is using its PK ability. Because right. we do have cases where apparitions are able to affect the physical environment in some way or another. Right. They're rare, but, but it does happen. Well, we had the case at the museum, and I don't know if I've ever even talked to you about this, but I think you know a little bit about the history of the museum that the director was embezzling money. And yeah. um, the, the museum was within days of being closed. Um, and we had, in the period where when the crime was taking place and leading up to uh, the director's guilty plea, we had poltergeist phenomena occur at the museum. It wasn't super spectacular, but it was like, you know, a pen flying across a room or a book flying across a room or a pencil, um, you know. So it wasn't like they were, you know, throwing phones at our head and they weren't trying to hurt us or anything like that. But we had these things and those phenomena stopped as soon as the um, as soon as the crime was discovered and the director was removed. So I've always been curious, was that the spirits, because they were upset with what was happening, because the, if, if um, the museum had gone out of business, the building would have been torn down. Um, mm-hmm. Or was that the director with some kind of guilt because of what that person was doing? Well, I suppose I would ask, Again, if I were investigating this, I would ask whether or not that type of physical phenomenon had been reported before, or was that a single event only, just this one short period of time? Um, It was over a period of about probably two years, and it would happen um, every couple of months, probably. Okay, okay. Um, without having much more information, I'd probably be more on the side of RSPK, recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis. So the poltergeist, uh, the poltergeist theory would probably be um, where I would come down on, on the side of, of, of that as, as a determination. Um, you know, you'd have to do a little bit more uh, digging into that, but I think your observation yeah. that, that, that it stopped immediately following, you know, the uncovering of and, and, and the removal Mm-hmm. Of, this, of this person, um, and you haven't experienced that again, it seems pretty clear that, that it was tied to, to that person, and so okay. it probably was RSPK. Okay, interesting, because it's something that I've wondered about for a long time, and when I, when I talk to people about it, I offer the two theories, and I think in the book, Patty and I offered the two theories as well, but it's just always something that's that's kind of made me wonder, because it was so tied into this period when the money was being embezzled. And then we, I mean, we still have activity, but we don't have any of that type of stuff anymore. Right. It was the thing that really stood out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, that, that would be what I would guess. Interesting. Okay. Cool. That gives me some stuff to think about because we, we do get cases where, you know, there's poltergeist activity. And, and that's um, a tough conversation to have with people when you suspect it's living agent. <laughs> It's a very difficult one because you can't just point the finger and say, well, we think it's you, um, yeah. you know, with, with the candlestick in the library. It doesn't, it, that doesn't help the situation. No. Um, 
because it's a psychological effect, usually, I mean, what, what we go on is the idea, the matter is that this, this person, this poor person is under so much stress, and that's, that's just being, you know, shoved underneath all of the stuff that's happening to cause that stress, and it comes out in, in psychic ways. Um, they have to discover that for themselves. So that's when you start talking about cases with similar phenomena that happen. You talk yeah. with the living agent about, you know, I had a case similar to this a few years ago, and this is what happened. And you know what? It turned out that it was actually one of the people there. They didn't even know they were doing it. They didn't even realize that they, that, you know, they had psychic ability. And that is a brilliant it, way to do it. I'm going to use that yeah. from now on, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, what happens is that they, the, the person that they're listening, they, they really connect with that idea in most, most cases. And they say, wait a second, do you think I could be doing this? And yeah. the minute that they, that they realize that, that's when everything starts to shut down. The other thing that, that you can do is to um, distract them, distract the, the, um, the PK, the, the physical effects that are going on, by giving them other things to do. So you give them little psychic games. Um, when I, I, I had a workshop at the Uganda Ghost Conference a couple of weeks ago called Do It Yourself. And psychokinesis experiment. So you can go online, you can learn how to make what's known as a PK target, which is a little, little thing under glass that if you concentrate, you're able to spin it. It's like a little umbrella, you can spin the thing. Yeah, can I can never do con- that. <laughs> concentrate, concentrate on trying to make a compass needle uh, shift off of, off of milk. Yeah. Um, in, in, in the workshop that we did, we actually had people that were able to do those things. Oh, so I try can, so hard. You, <laughs> just keep keep trying because it's it's like a muscle. You got to work it, and it gets stronger. The, the more okay. that you do it, the more you practice, the better you get. So you can okay. actually have a PK-based agent do those things, and that diverts and, and basically acts as a as a as a pressure release valve for the latent psychic ability. If they're able to make a target spin, they're far less likely to make light bulbs explode and yeah. you know slam doors and things like that. Interesting. Yeah, because that's, I mean, and I always manage to sort of, nobody ever winds up mad at me at the end of those conversations. And I try to approach it really gently and say, you know, things like, well, you know, there's a lot of stress going on here right now. And sometimes stress can, but I like your way better. That's going to be easier. (laughs) But it sounds like, it sounds like, you know, if nobody's getting mad at you at the end of the day after all this time doing this, it sounds like what you're doing is just fine. I know, but it makes me uncomfortable, so I'm looking for an easy way out. <laughs> and then you start making all the PK stuff happen because you're under stress. Yeah? That's right. <laughs> no, because I can't even make a compass spin. Or, you know, like they have, like, the uh, the Noetic Institute has uh, all of the little P- side games that you can play and things. Yes, yeah. I, yeah, I, like, am on the total losing end of that, like, I'm worse. I wind up like <laughs> below chance and things. So yeah, I'm really, I'm ah, really you bad. Know what? If, you, if, if you get below chance more often, that's actually statistically significant. I mostly get below chance. There, that's saying something. That is actually important data. So <laughs> don't count yourself out just yet. There you go, Karen. Your important data. Look at that. It's my beliefs. It's my belief in my lack of my my PK ability is, is probably what's causing it. Because I do. I mean, I don't know. Am I supposed to put my fingers to my temples and like close my eyes? And I- 
whatever works for you. <laughs> Nothing so far. I don't, I don't know that there's one way of doing it, but like we said before, your intention counts for a lot. It especially does. Especially with PK. So if you, if you, the thing is, is that in tests um, with, with PK subjects, if you believe that you can do it, you actually end up scoring pretty well. And if you don't believe that you can do it, you end up not being able to do it or you score below chance. Yeah. So your, your mindset really does have a lot to do with it. I'm sure then it probably is my mindset because, I mean, it took me 25 years to actually believe that, you know, the psychic stuff was happening. Um, and it took a whole lot of confirmation. And even now I still feel kind of like I'm faking it, even though I get the confirmation and I know I'm not. So, yeah, I would imagine that my mindset probably, because I was an intense skeptic until, you know, five years ago. So, Sure, sure. Yeah. I think you're doing fine. I think you're doing fine. Thanks, Neil. For whatever that's worth. Oh. <laughs> For whatever that's worth. <laughs> well, so we have come to our shameless self-promotion time, Neil. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what classes, what do you have coming up? How can people find you? It's time to shamelessly self-promote. Well, okay, I can do that because I'm pretty shameless. You know that. Yeah, um, People can find me. You can find me on my website, which is paranormalstudies.org. Um, I've got information there. They can uh, actually go to DVD, an educational DVD, Parapsychology for Ghost Hunters, uh, so they can check that out. And I do have a calendar of events there, uh, talks and classes and things that are coming up. Uh, they can also find me on Facebook at Paranormal Studies as well. Um, as far as what's coming up, I actually am at the end of my season at this point, as you might guess, because we've just passed Halloween, so things are running Yep, down the busy day. season. So I don't exactly have my schedule set for 2016, but stay tuned because there are some very fun and interesting things coming up. I'm actually going to be going digital very, very soon. That means I'm going to be offering uh, three recorded uh, workshops and lectures and classes um, online. Oh, great. To be able to check out that way, you know, folks who live elsewhere outside of the Puget Sound area uh, can actually be in the open and, you know, for a price. And, and I have to tell people the, the digital lectures and stuff. I have never been to one of your classes. I've, of course, heard you speak many times. But the people who take your classes that I know just absolutely love you and love your classes and really feel like they're worthwhile. Oh, well, I really appreciate that. I, I, I have a passion for the education part of it, and, and I know that I was, um, you know, 20-some-odd years ago uh, as a complete newbie, and I just had a thirst for the knowledge, and I was really lucky that I, I threw my lot in with some very, very knowledgeable people. Um, I went from that to last year, I, I chaired a, a panel on education at the Parapsychological Association Conference. So Good for you. you. People, people can really make a go with this, and, and it's, and it's just all about the education and, and having a good time with it as well. Yeah. Well, Neil, it's always fun to talk to you, and, you know, I'll probably see you, gosh, probably not until April now, huh? I'm guessing, yeah, Oregon Ghost Conference, I guess, would be the next one. Yeah. That'll probably be the next one. Maybe, maybe Chuck E. G. will be there. Well, let's hope so, because I'd like to meet you. It would be great right, to, to uh, continue the conversation in person. Sure. All right. So, Neil, it's always great to have you on the show, and it's always great to see you. Um, hey, you have holidays coming up. Enjoy your holidays. I do, and thank you very much, and you as well. Thanks again thank for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Thank you. Good night. 
All right. So there, there he goes, Neil McNeil, fascinating guy, uh, really super knowledgeable and um, always fun to listen to as a speaker and just has great content in his classes. And uh, I have his DVD, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. So, yeah. I, well, I like the... I like, as they call it, the different take on the paranormal with parapsychology because a lot oh, of it yeah. I understand and get. Some of it I'm not, I don't know if I agree 100%, but that's okay because that's we're all meant to, you know, well, go with what we but it's with. with parapsychology, they base it on empirical data and studies. And, and I mean, so, you know, they're still working with theories, they're still spitballing. Yes. But I tend to think that they're probably um, much closer to what's really haps than. Oh, say like ghost adventures. <laughs> ghost, oh yeah, no. Or ghost I, hunters, I, or you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And, and the way they look at the uh, psychic aspect of it is cool because you know us being psychic, you know we we do kind of understand. Uh, at least I feel I I get at least what's coming through to me, anyways. You know, as far as information. So um, I do too, but, but yeah, I always wonder where the what the source of that information truly is. I mean, we make a lot of assumptions when we. Uh, talk about the information that we receive because what we um like when when you're doing a reading for somebody the assumption mm-hmm. is is that the reading is coming from one of their deceased loved ones but really mm-hmm. what if it what it is is it's coming from them and you're picking up on their yeah, on their, their subconscious and their knowledge because mm-hmm. you're providing them information that they know so what Correct. if what you're actually reading is them and their energy field is and and, and so there's a lot of things that i truly don't know um mm-hmm. And a lot of big assumptions that we make. And, you know, when I when I walk into a building and my spidey sense goes off and, and things start to happen around me and I can pick up pieces of story that I can later verify with historical documents and things like that, is right. that actually me communicating with a spirit that's there? Is it an energy that, like Neil was talking about, that's stored in, you know, in the walls or in the floors? Or it, It's hard to know. Right. Well, even if you're seriously, even if you're picking up off their subconscious and you're, that's getting, still pretty and, incredible. I mean, that's pretty darn cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like mind readers. <laughs> I know. It's just stuff that I think about. I think about stuff like that a lot. I try not to be too much inside my head because I, I you know, for me, um, this is a spiritual journey as much as it is uh, a one of you know inquiry and discovery. And mm-hmm. so I try not to get too much in my own head because that just never works. Oh, well. no. Because you, you go in there, it's like that infinite mirror thing, you know, you just keep going, well, it could be this, uh, well, it could be this, it could be this. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if we're really supposed to know 100%, but yes. Well, and yes. I'm a big believer, too, that if you are too much in your head when you're in an investigation, mm-hmm. that you're denying yourself the experience. So what I always yes. tell people is to allow yourself to be present in the moment and experience it and then question it after. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But yeah, you want to go in like, you know, uh, it's like cleansing your palate before you go and, and, and try some new food or a wine or whatever, you know. You want to do the same thing when you're going on. You want to cleanse your palate. You want to get it all clear. No, uh, I mean, and it's, it's kind of tricky too because, you know, if you have information, it's kind of hard to not... Uh, yeah. You know, pre, do preconceived notions of things, but yeah. you know, you can say, I, I, I mean, I try to do the best I can, saying, okay, well, I have the information, but let's just put that to the side. Let's go in and look at it as uh, an observer, like an outsider to everything, you know, just to yeah. see what's really going on. So that yeah. I try to do my best to do that, but you know, that yeah. my sense picks up stuff, and then I'm like, uh oh, uh oh, what's? So I know, no, I I'm don't. 
we I rely on other people on my team to be the data collectors because it mm. just doesn't work for me. I go in and I allow myself to be lost in the experience. Excuse me, I have the hiccups. That's and then okay. I don't question the experience when I um, am in it. But afterwards, I, you know, lay awake staring at my ceiling thinking, what if it's this? What I do? So I do. I do question yeah. every. So if you investigate yeah. with me, it looks like I'm very unquestioning and I'm really. Um, uh, but afterwards, I, I once I've allowed oh, myself the experiences, yeah. I do start and I do try to confirm it with re- mm-hmm. historical research and things like that, because that's important to me. Yeah, well, we just did a, a investigation recently, and um, it's interesting. We use this uh, HLC; it's like a thermal flashlight, is basically what it is. And each each different color coincides to a certain degree, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we've never used it for a communication based meter before. It's usually just if the environment changes when you're you know going whatever. We were doing um, question and answer sessions with the Echo Vox, and we had like mm-hmm. the K two and the Melmeter, all that stuff out. And all of a sudden, um, it started, uh, the, the thing started going to blue. Okay, now blue is below 35 degrees. Now, the, the baselines we gotten were like 67 degrees. So I'm like, how's that possible? So we started talking, asking it to affect the meter, and it, it did. And, you know, working, and then it's, and then you're getting audio that's matching with what's happening, which I found interesting. I have a clip that we're going to put out. And then, um, so then I'm like, all right, let's get out the contact thermometer because I want to see if there's like, you know, is there like a breeze? Is there like a leak in the building? Thing, you know, something like that. So the whole time we're putting that, we have the contact thermometer. You can see it in the in the video. We're holding it on the machine, and the machine is still the contact is still reading at sixty seven degrees. Yet the meter is being affected somehow internally, I guess, uh, to bring down the cold. Probably psychokinetically. I, I, yeah, and so what I do is I pick it up to move it. You know, I say, I'm going to move this thing, you know, whatever. So, hi, you know, thinking, ah, this will take care of it. I picked it up, I move it, and, and as I pick it up, it goes to green, which is the, the set temperature in the room. I yeah. sat down, I go, yeah, well, you know, thinking, ha, that's going to trip. And all of a sudden, boom, it goes to blue again, like it, it, like if it moved right with it to show me the difference in color. Right, but so here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. How do you know who is making that happen, whether it's a spirit or it's somebody in the room who's having the expectation that that happens that has the ability to uh, affect the instrumentation psychokinetically? So that's why, um, for me, at least, one of the reasons I I have no problem with other people using instruments, and I'll have a recorder or something, but for me, um, I'd rather rely on the information that I pick up. Right. Because I'm not sure if it's actually a spirit doing it or if it's people who have the expectation and therefore are, are inadvertently causing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I think yeah. that at some point within that, that could be happening. But when it first starts at first and you are you don't have that preconceived notion, oh, I'm going to make the meter go blue because whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then it starts True. doing it. And then, you know, you're getting the audio that's matching that. Then if you didn't go further into it, yeah, you could say that maybe at some point, maybe it took over or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? But I think initially, you know, it's hard to say that for sure because, you know, you're not really expecting Sure, but EVPs it. could be created by living oh, yeah. agents psychokinetically oh, yeah. um yep. you know vi- video anomalies all mm-hmm. of these things can be created by living agents true so it's I mean, I, I, so it, but like i say in the moment i i let myself have those experiences and then i think all this stuff later yeah yeah and know, then drive you yeah. nuts with it on the radio 
<laughs> well, you have to have, you know, at some po- point you have to, you know, it, belief falls into the category too. And, you know, mm-hmm. all that. Well, I, I have always no, said really that knows. everybody who believes in ghosts, at some point, no matter what experience you've had, at some point you have to make a leap of faith. It may be a little tiny leap or it may be a great big leap, but at some point you do have to make a leap of faith because we just don't have scientific, we don't have empirical evidence. We just have all of these data points and then we make assumptions. And so we have to make, to make those assumptions, we have to make a leap of faith. Yes, we do. Yeah. Even you're putting intent on anything, yeah, you have to, Mm -hmm. there's no other way Mm -hmm. of doing that, so. Yep. But I, I did find him fascinating. I wish he wouldn't have been so muffled. So I like, know. Well, he did the best we could. And I thought, yeah. I, I I understood like 95% of what he was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could hear him. Yeah. I could get most of it anyway. So, but yeah, uh, yeah he was d- a very fascinating. Very oh, yeah. Fascinating he's good. Guy. He's good people. What hey, Cheryl. Cheryl. Hello there. Hello. So, what's going on? I know that the Halloween issue came out on Halloween, so good job. Kudos to you, my dear. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we had our our Halloween issue released on the 31st. Um, You can go to paranormalunderground.net, magcloud.com to uh, find a copy and um, check it out. So, next week on the radio show, we have author William Hall. Uh, he wrote the Haunted House Diaries as well as the World's Most Haunted House. Sweet. Cool. He's going to tell scary stories then. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I read this first book. I'm into a second book. And they are pretty interesting um, stuff. Uh, you know, tr- true stories. Um, mm-hmm. Well documented. A lot of, uh, a lot of firsthand accounts in his books. Um, that cool. Research, so lots of good. Stuff I there. love people who tell a good scary story. Yeah. I like a good ghost story, especially yeah. a good true ghost story. Would okay, you- and and so that'll be fun. And then the next week, Chucky will be here. Two weeks from now, Chucky and I will be in the same room. What? Whoa. Get out of here! No it's way! So exciting! Oh my God, who's the guest that, the, for that week? Who's it's the- just us. <gasps> It's just us and the old wheeler. At the old wheeler hotel. Can we can we drag Katie onto the show? Can we make her? I don't talk know. To we'll us? have to ask her. I know she's you know not very you know forward about that. So we'll have to okay. ask her. But yeah, and the old wheeler hotel is very special to me because it is, of course, the subject of my next book. So. Dun, 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 dun. Ooh, can I be in your book? Can you take a picture and put me in your uh, book? I think that I've been waiting for you to get working on it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I could be there with Karen doing the cool look. Yes, and then the week after that is Thanksgiving, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. No, Check yeah, and we're off. And then the week after that, we're a little unsure about what's going to be happening, but we do have a guest scheduled, and it's Karen, right? It is Karen Anderson. It's you? Oh, Karen Anderson, sorry. Oh, She's, oh yeah. She is also sure. a Washington and Oregon Pacific Northwest paranormal really? community person. Yes. Oh, you saw her picture and you think she's cute. I see. I no, recognize I that smile. <laughs> no, I swear. No. Wasn't that the smile he seemed to give no, there, Cheryl? No, no, no. Stop. Make me sound like I'm a womanizer or something just because I think women are pretty. You're but so I respect pretty. but I but I respect <laughs> but I respect the women folks. You got a pretty <laughs> mouth. But anyway, so that um we do have Karen scheduled for that and um yeah, that's also my five zero birthday. Woo! Ba, 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 ba. So old. Uh, uh, welcome to the club, lady. 
I know I'm going to go into my 50s. I feel so old, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm going through a midlife crisis and doing all sorts of things that are (laughs) young for me. We can can all pull pull out our ARP cards and, you know, yeah, party time. No. And so how am I spending my 50th birthday on the air with all of you? Because listeners, I love you. Oh, look at that. Isn't that nice? That time's 50 is not old. Yeah, I know. I, I actually don't feel like it's old, but it does feel like a milestone. It is. Mm. It does because when I was when I was a kid, I thought nobody could be actually fifty and live. I mean, because that was really <laughs> old. Nobody <laughs> can live. What the heck? But I had goals uh, for my fiftieth birthday, mm-hmm. um, and I've met most of them. That, but like by my fiftieth birthday, I wanted to hit a certain weight, and I've lost one hundred and thirty-five pounds in the last year. Good. That's, that's yeah. Good. That's awesome. right. And I had goals for physical things that I wanted to do this summer, uh, places I wanted to hike, and things I wanted to climb, and I met them. Mm-hmm. So I'm feeling pretty good. I my fifties, my fifties look to be a lot better than previous decades. I don't. I haven't. I haven't hit anything on my bucket list yet. Yet. <laughs> it's a coming. It might be coming. And and, the, and to say that fifty is not old, I, I understand, but. I try to tell my body that all the time. It's like, no, body, 55 is not at all. And then I get up off the chair. And I'm like, ow, 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 what the hell was that? I wasn't even doing anything. My butt cheeks. Well, I mean, yeah, there, the things don't maybe necessarily work as well as they, they used to. That's <laughs> yeah, no, for yeah. sure. But, I, but spiritually and emotionally and yeah. relationship-wise and, you know, all of these things that I looked at, like milestones, like I thought when my son moved out of my house, oh, my God, it was going to be the end of my world because I was no longer, you know, mom to a kid at home. And that it, it's okay. I'm happy. I'm good. Okay. You know? So you'll be Grandma Karen. Yo, oh Grandma my God! Karen. Not for a while yet. Yeah, Grandma. I don't want any. I don't want any any un- unplanned grandchildren just yet. I'd like him to finish college first. I still try to get used to that Grandpa stuff. Hey, Grandpa. Hey, Gramps. Oh, that's, no. that's hey, Gramps. Somebody call I, my. You no, just, he he says he doesn't want to have kids till he's thirty. He doesn't even want to get married till he's thirty. So I have I have a, another decade of of no grandchildren. He'll stick. <sighs> Hopefully, he'll stick to the plan. Maybe we'll see. Okay, so that's it. Time's up. It's seven fifty nine here. So that means we have. I have. Oh no, we're going over. It's eight o'clock. All right. So thank you everybody for listening to Paranormal mm-hmm. Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. Thank you to our guest Neil McNeil, who was wonderful as always, and we hope that you will join us again next week at. 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Illinois, and other times in other flyover states. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show, and have a good night. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.